I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome to Mariella Meets. I'm Mariella Frostrup, and each week I'll be bringing you a selection of the best interviews from our favorite guests. Movers and shakers from the worlds of art and entertainment, politics, business, music, and wider society. To discuss everything from their latest endeavors to career highlights and early beginnings. Intimate, in-depth talk with pioneering talents and fascinating folk discussing the stuff that matters to them and how they scaled the slippery slopes of success. Denmark's Peter Schmeichel is arguably the best goalkeeper in the history of the Premier League. He had a glittering career that lasted from 1981 until 2003 and is best remembered for his hugely successful time with Manchester United, with whom he won countless trophies and, indeed, for helping Denmark to win the European Championships in 1992. He's just published his autobiography, One, and Peter Schmeichel joins me now. Welcome to Times Radio. Thank you very much. Peter, um, first of all, I have to admit my total football ignorance, so much so that when I saw that the autobiography was, was titled One, I thought maybe you were involved with Bono's charity organisation until my son laughed at me and said, you idiot, you know, that's the goalkeeper's number. How, uh, how defined do you feel you are by your goalkeeping career? Uh, very much so. Um, you know, it's it's how people know me. It's it's uh, sort of like the the... The biggest thing that I've ever done in my life, uh, I've done a lot of things since and a lot of, a lot of things that, you know, was not in the public domain, but it's it's who I am. And I'm also now a father to, to a goalkeeper. So You are, Casper? Yeah, I've kind of sort of been kept in that space, if you like, for, for, for a good many years. You've now written a book about it. Um, writing an autobiography is quite an undertaking, and I suppose it must take you, and of course it takes you on a, on a journey down memory lane in terms of revisiting moments in your life. Did you discover anything about yourself in the process that surprised you? A lot. A lot about myself, a lot about my family. It was the whole the whole basics of of even doing the book, in doing an autobiography, was to find out stuff about myself, find out, you know, getting into a, a mature age, you know, questions questions are starting to pop up, like, uh, you know, how could I? I was eight 
or nine years old. I lived in Denmark. We hardly had any football on the on the TV. It wasn't the football wasn't big in in any way in terms of uh, the public domain. How could I then decide that I wanted to play for Denmark? I wanted to play for Manchester United. I wanted to win the FA Cup with Manchester United at Wembley, and then go and do it. What what was it? Or what is it inside of me that enables me? to you know set a target and then go after it and actually achieve the goals that I've set myself um so that that was sort of the intriguing part and the basic basics of doing this book um and along the way I found out a lot of stuff about myself my family Jonathan Northcroft who uh, who uh, writes for the Sunday Times the Sunday Times he has uh, he's put all the words together so wonderfully but he's also a really really good journalist so he found out stuff that even I wasn't aware of. My mother wasn't aware of it. Unfortunately, my father passed away uh, two years ago. So you know, we it's, it, it's a lot of fact checking went went uh, out of the window there. But uh, yes, I so a lot of things in in my uh, in my book here that uh, kind of surprised me. Well, we'll unpick some of those as as we talk. But let's start at the beginning in classical style, because you begin your book by reflecting on um, the Christian Eriksson's um, cardiac arrest in Denmark, uh, in the opening game of Euro 2020's tournament against Finland. Um, why there and what was going through your mind at that time? I think, you know, in many ways we, we, we try to make things important and then we find out that they're, they're not so important anyway. Uh, and and when we get into to real situations where we are talking about life and death, it makes us stop and think about things. Think about ourselves. I know. I mean, for for me personally, it was a moment of uh, of self reflection. And and I know for for a lot of a lot of the people that I know did the same thing. And and you kind of you kind of say what 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 is really the important things in life. Um, and what what are we allowed to make important? And, and what you realize from that moment is that football really is important. It has a, it has a, uh, a nearly an everyday effect on how how people live their lives. Supporters, they I won't say live and die because it's a wrong phrase, but well, listen, I live with two yeah, of them. I know yeah, what it's like. Yeah, <laughs> but it really do it, it. What we do on a football pitch as footballers. It has a massive effect on how a, a person's day is. You know, if we if we play very very bad and lose a game on a Saturday, the weekend is not a great weekend for 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 the fan, uh, and and sometimes we don't realize that. So, what what happened to Christian was really it, it was a shock. Uh, it was it, it's it's something. There's so many questions that 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 pops up there. Why can this happen to someone? Who is so fit that the one guy who runs the most in every game he plays, he is you know there's not there's nothing wrong with him. They're they're being checked every week, every day, really. How can this happen? And and of course, the whole world is watching. How are people Did- reacting? So so that's the next thing you do. You see these young men. We criticize them so often for being rich, spoiled, uh, egocentric. Uh, young men who lives these high-flying lives and uh, superficial lives and you know there's no there's no real depth to them that, that that's sort of a general thing that 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 we, we say about footballers and then you see these young men 
you saw Simon Kerr, you know, realizing from 80 yards away that this is bad, rushing up, um, giving him the first bit of first aid. Uh, you saw my son coming. He was directly behind him. Uh, very quickly, Thomas Delaney uh, organized a wall around uh, Christian to give the medics that that was that was then on the page that, that you know the space, as, yeah, space as much as they could, to, and 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 shielding that from the rest of the world. I thought that was incredible. First of all, I think it's clear from what you're saying that, that, that you do think that footballers get a bad press in a way. But a lot's changed since since you were, you know, in your footballing heyday. And one of the biggest changes, I suppose, for people like me who aren't as invested in, in the beautiful game, you know, as, as my son and my husband, perhaps, is, is that uh, footballers have now, you know, become spokespeople. They've learned that they wield a lot of power. And, and some of them, particularly, you know, the likes of, of Marcus Rashford, are using it you know, very powerfully in order to make change. Are you surprised that it's taken this long to, to give footballers a voice? And do you think it's a, a change for the better? I, 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 if I'm honest, I, I think it's a, you know, it's a very small number that, that are using that position to make change. Marcus is one of them. And what he's doing is, is it's, it's fantastic and it's very, very brave. I think a lot of, of people in, in football a lot of players will be advised not to involve themselves in in political discussions, debates, uh, because it can always be misunderstood and it can take you in in the wrong directions. Uh, we, you really have to. I mean, you, you, the window of opportunity as a footballer is very, very small. You have to take advantage of the time you have as a footballer, and the most important thing in being a footballer is that you focus on that, focus on practice. Focus on being ready for practice so you eat well, you sleep well, concentrate on what you have to do when you practice with the team. And practice leads to, to matches. So then again, focus on, on, on the matches. How, how does it feel knowing that the window is so small? Is that something that you're aware of? Were you aware of it, you know, from, from the very beginning of your footballing career? Did you, did you know? Because it, it's all very well on paper, isn't it? But, you know, we all live our lives thinking they're going to go on forever. And I, I suppose in a way that must uh, apply to how you, uh, 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 how you deal with the career as well. In, in my case, I thought it was going to go on forever. I never thought about that, you know, the end date or the sell-by date, or I, it never re, until it was there, you know. And then you look back and you think, "Wow, that went quick," you know. And and I was one of the lucky ones. I, I was a professional for twenty years, so it, it's not like my. I, I have a lot of colleagues, a lot of friends who that their careers were eight years. They had to retire due to injury at twenty-seven, for instance. One of my my teammates had to do. Not many goals from my generation anyway goes past 32 but i was 40 so in a way i'm just one of the lucky ones that that that, that could carry on for so long but it it, it you know it, it goes it just goes in a flash you you don't have the thing about being a footballer as well is you you, you kind of kind of move between matches so so you you know is it four days or is it seven days you you look at it like that four days seven days and and you every Everything. If you if you are at the very very top of 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 that profession, you are looking to the next game all the time. So when is that? You you kind of live your life, so you are best prepared, best rested, best you know, 
energized. Everything is designed for the next game. And if you're successful playing for your national team, playing in the Champions League, playing for a club like Manchester United that are expected to be at the top of the Premier League, uh, competing for the title, then every game is is more important than than you kind of realize when you're playing. But when you come out of it, you realize how important everything everything that you did was. Uh, but it, it makes you very narrow sided. I put it like that. You, you don't you don't think about life too much, and that's why I said before you got to be careful. Marcus is doing really really well by 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 getting change for for. The, the group of people or the society that he grew up in, I think that is fantastic. But also, I want Marcus, as a Manchester United player, to be absolutely 100% focused on being a Manchester United player as well. So if it comes to a point where Marcus is, you know, too much of a, let's call it a politician, trying to make change, and it affects his game, then I don't think it's great because he is, first and foremost, a Manchester United player, a professional football player in a career which is not, it's not spanning for a whole life. It's 10 years if you're really lucky. And there's a lot of time afterwards to do what he's doing. How do you prepare for that time afterwards? I don't know, honestly. And it is, it is, it's a massive issue in football. A, a lot of guys... They, they they do their coaching badges, they, they educate themselves into becoming coaches and work at different levels, academy, uh, reserve team, youth team, uh, first team management. But there are only so many jobs uh, and there are a lot more players and that means uh, a lot of a lot of guys don't have that opportunity. Uh, again, you know, a lot, a lot of players, they move into the media side of football there's only so many jobs. There's only so many interesting people and so many successful enough people uh, for the media to to uh, to be interesting, having them employed. Yeah, and it must be very difficult as well, you know, to to lose that spotlight that you've got used to living with. You know, you le- you learn to live with great fame, great power, as you've described it. You know, in terms of of you know people's interest in you, their lives shaped by your successes and your failures, and then all of a sudden, you're on your own. Yeah, I, I I agree. I mean, there are there are two sides to that. One is, of course, you now you now get the chance to sort of move out out of the public eye. You know, live live a little bit more quiet. Um, other players are taking your spot, so they also take the spotlight, uh, and and so you can move around a little little easier. You know, you're not getting you're not getting you know approached everywhere you are. Uh, yeah, and then the there's the other side of it, because it's such a big part of your identity that people do come up to you and people do speak to you and people do like what you're doing. And that's disappeared and that's difficult to deal with. There's absolutely no doubt about that. So, uh, you know, I, I've worked in the media, so I've kept myself sort of a little bit in, in that in that spot. One foot in. Yeah, yeah one foot Let's... in. Well, half a foot <laughs> in. <laughs> and so I have a little bit of that, uh, but I also have... The other side, which is why I choose chose to live in Denmark and where in Denmark I live, is I I really do I can I can you know I can go out out of my house and and I won't be bothered. People I live in a small village. People are used to me, um, and I'm just one of the uh, the residents of that village, and and that is that is very very good for me. Uh, but you see other places, other places that I've played with, they haven't gone past that. They really 
crave that spotlight. Um, and so we're different, but it is, it's difficult. I, I, you know, there's no doubt about that. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Peter, you talked about in the process of, of writing the book and learning surprising things. I think some of the surprising things uh, you learned were about your family. And I I wondered how much you you think your family background shaped the incredibly determined, uh, you know, boy you were at eight and continued to be through your teens when you decided to set off on a on a, on a footballing career. I know that your father lived with some really big demons that that you only subsequently discovered the full extent of. Yeah, demons and secrets. Um, but also, what I want. So, 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 what I want to say on that is the the determination that that he had to create a life for himself uh, and make the best out of it in a new country is something that I grew up with. So, determination of of succeeding was was something I saw every day, and it became second nature to me. And and also, he was a grafter. He worked really, really hard. Uh, as a musician, he was playing long, long hours from from uh, early evening to long, long into the night. Um, and you know, I, I I grew up watching uh, my parents working really hard. So of course, that's something that rubs off on you. Uh, and I, of course, it's something I've taken with me in in my approach to what I ended up doing. He, he was Polish, wasn't he? Yeah, he was born in Poland. Yeah. I think that probably the most defining thing. I mean, his father died when he was mm. was was very young in the war, but but his mother was taken away in front of his eyes as a boy. And he never knew what happened to her or saw her again. Fortunately, before he died, he found out, which which is a very, very good thing because he, he left this world in peace, if you can say that. And he also left this world, uh, before he left the world, he, he had an opportunity to forgive his mother because he could never forgive her for, for, for putting him and, and his uh, brothers and sisters in, in the situation, in danger as... He felt that he that she had done. How uh, did she do that? Well, she she was part of the resistance in Poland, and and once Europe was split into two, so it was an eastern part and a western part. The Russians kind of took over Poland, and they what they did was they rounded up all all the potential enemies that they of of Russia that they could, uh, and they deported them to. In the beginning, he didn't know where, but we found out many 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 years later that she was taken to a concentration camp in uh, just outside of moscow and and he and, and he found out that she died as some, some kind of hero inside of that she was a spokesperson she was fighting for better conditions better food she was looking after the ill and the reason he found out was he it's a complete co a coincidence met somebody in a shop when when he was visiting poland uh, and that person recognized my father and said, aren't you the son of Anna Schmeichel? And he said, yes, I am. Well, my 
some someone from his family was in a, tr a concentration camp in Moscow and had written this letter. She, that person survived, had written the accounts of what happened. And in there, my grandmother, so my father's mother, featured very heavily. And we've got those letters. So that we know. Yeah, so we know what happened to, to her and, and, you know, her dying in that uh, of illness in that concentration camp as a hero softened it a little bit for my father. So he, he managed to forgive her and, and had at least some, some years left with, with, uh, with that in peace. Uh, but it you, never you really, really left him. No, and you talk, I mean, you know, I don't want to draw easy conclusions, but you talk in, in the book about your father's battle with alcoholism and, and I'm sure in part connected to that trauma in his childhood. How did his problems impact on the family when you were growing up and on you? Yeah, but not really. Uh, it, it, it's it's a strange thing because it's only after he uh, he uh, he got out of his his alcoholism that he started to talk about that. And he said, "Well, I've I've been an alcoholic for for thirty five years." Or you're looking at and thinking, "Whoa, I didn't realize that." We had about a year right at the end of where he was drinking, which was really bad, and everybody could see that there was a problem here. Uh, mm. And of course, we took advice from 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 experts, and uh, there was there was some very very good literature that you could read on people's account of coming out of of alcoholism, that was very very beneficial. Uh, and and we tried everything, but it just got worse and worse and worse. And and of course, uh, there is there's a story in the book where my my father turned up in Portugal. Um, I'm not going to give too much away because I want people to read it. I had to do something which even even today um, I find it very hard to accept that mm. me as a person that I was able to do that but I also knew it was the right thing to do and I also know I know in my heart that that was the one thing that pushed him over the edge made him go into uh, to treatment uh, yes. and it gave him another 20 years so but it was it was I, I had to do a very very tough thing no boy ever wants to have to confront his father as a child as it were you know behaving in a childish way I suppose let's talk a bit because I can feel every Man United fan out there including my own family screaming at the radio talk about Man United talk about Man United <laughs> so um, tell me how you made uh, the move to Manchester United um, because as I understand it Alex Ferguson personally came to Denmark to tempt you to join his team is that right? Not precisely like that but he did come to Denmark. But the story is that they put an offer in for me uh, uh, in the summer of 1990. I spoke to my agent. I wanted to do it. The, the clubs, they spoke. Uh, they put an offer in. The club, my club, Bromby, asked for too much money and it just died there. I, I had one phone call from the chairman of the club that I was playing for uh, and that was it. I never heard anything for months. But I kind of knew what was going on behind the scenes because the agent that I was using was also the agent that Bromby was using. So I knew kind of precisely what was what was happening. And and, mm. and it came down to the transfer fee. And and I think that Bromby deliberately put the transfer transfer fee very high because the new coach, Maud Nolson, didn't want to part with me. Uh so I missed the opportunity to have my boyhood dream fulfilled. I was I was very, very bitter, very angry. Uh, and and I felt that you know an incredible amount of uh, unjust on my part. Um, so after training one day, 
I, I got a phone call to come to my agent's assistant's house. And in that house, Alex Ferguson, he was there. So he's taken the flight from Manchester, went straight to the house, waiting for me. And I came in. I, I, I honestly don't think I said anything. I might have said hello, but I was <laughs> dumbstruck. Here he was. And, and basically what he said to me was he was very sorry that the deal didn't happen, but he, uh, he was, it was me he wanted, and he was going to come back for me the next summer. And he just wanted to make sure that I knew that and that, that I you know would work harder and, and play better and to just keep doing what I was doing uh, and then see you in the summer. Peter, it's sort of it's sort of the reverse, isn't it? Uh, if I can fast forward of what happened at the end of your time at Manchester United um, in in nineteen ninety nine, you decided to leave and you went to play in Portugal, and then you regretted that choice, I think. And and there was a glimmer of possibility that you could return yeah. to Manchester United. Tell me about that incident. Yeah, I mean it was. That was probably one of the worst days in my life. Not only, uh, not only did that not happen, I was on my way back. Everything had been agreed, and uh, I got my my contract with uh, Sporting Lisbon annulled. Uh, it was a great shame. They were very very sorry to to see me go. They they really liked having me there, and it was a very emotional couple of hours with them in their offices and. We left left the offices, you know, a little bit sad, but very happy. But now I'm on, on my way back home to Manchester United, and then <laughs> we tried to find a, a phone Sir Alex, and didn't answer the phone. Didn't answer it for a long time. I know I, I've actually spoken to Sir Alex this morning. He's read the book, and he said uh, the reason I didn't answer the phone was I was scared. I didn't know what to tell you. Uh, no. But but he was, and and this is something you know, I have great respect for. He was always looking ahead. He was always thinking about the future of Manchester United and and you know what was best for Man United. Uh, and he thought at the time to sign the Fabian Bates was there was more future in that and everything in that. You must deal. have been devastated. Oh. I was, I was, I was, and it was a really bad day. On the, on the, when I came back home, I accidentally ran my dog over, and and uh, the dog died the next day. I can't uh, and, bear and, it. And, and on that very same day, I had to leave. I had to leave for Denmark because I was joining up the next day with uh, with the Danish team in preparation for the Euros in two thousand. So <laughs> I wasn't even in the house when when uh, when the message of of the dog. I was just oh it was goodness. just one of those days you know at the end of the day um yes i was crushed i was very angry as well uh i i, I thought it was uh you know i thought it was, there was so many things wrong about that but mm. i also know uh that why he did it yeah. why he did it um, and and that but, i benefited from 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 that kind of mentality in so many other situations because he was a great leader he was you know always renewing the team always managing me as a person well i always felt comfortable with everything he did uh, and of course there there are in in every kind of relationship if it's work relationship or other relationship friendship there are always situations where you are, are not in agreement and this is this is one of them uh, but i can tell you that that is one of the very very few 
Just finally, because we've completely run out of time, I do want to mention the fact that you've created at least uh, the beginnings of a footballing dynasty. Uh, when 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 you left uh, football, you you went back to Denmark. You 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 actually became the owner of your childhood club. I just thought I'd mention that because it's such a lovely detail. But your son Casper, as every uh, football fan will know, is is a successful goalkeeper himself. Plays for Denmark and and Leicester City. Um, are you very proud of his achievements and are you glad that he chose football as a career? Do you think it's a good career? Well, that's a great question. I think it's a good career if you if you wake up every day and you're happy about it. I think that's more important to me than anything else when it comes to my children is that they 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 choose the path path in life that makes them happy and they have good lives. I think that's the only real sort of value in life that you have a good life. And if you if you if your choice is to become a footballer because your parents want to and you don't really sort of you're not in it a hundred percent, then it's it's not a great career. Then it's too much pressure. But if you do it out of passion and you love every day, then then it is. But there are so many other jobs out there where I can say the same. It's all about waking up, being happy, looking forward to the day. And that's gonna happen literally every day. That's very good wisdom to part with. Thank you very much, Peter Schmeichel. It's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you for joining you. me on Times Radio. Thank you. Thank you. One, my autobiography is out now, published by Hodder and Staten, and Peter is doing four book events in the coming week in London, Manchester, of course, Leicester, and Cheltenham, the literary festival which is sponsored by The Times. Details can be found on www.schmeichelevents.co.uk. Thanks for listening to Mariella Meets with me, Mariella Frostrup. There'll be more from the podcast next week, so make sure to download the free Times Radio app to never miss an episode. And don't forget, you can catch the live edition of my program every Monday to Thursday, 1 till 4 on Times Radio. Catch you next time.